his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Nerds! Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to level up your financial game? Let NerdWallet guide you with smart strategies for lasting success. Get savvy tax planning pointers to maximize your savings, money-saving travel tips for your next family getaway, and investing insights like how a 529 plan can help you send your kids to college. Unlock the key to saving to help you earn more money. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you in 2024. The Chris and Amy Show, sponsored by Summer at SLU. Find your kids' best summer yet at St. Louis University. Amy Mark scores alongside Brad Young. Well, we've talked at length about the Senate's proposed border deal package, the bill that Speaker House Speaker Mike Johnson said would be dead on arrival if passed. And Brad, we've had a lot of back and forths about this, but you delved pretty deeply into it to lay out exactly what's in it, what's not, what it would do, what it wouldn't do, and also what President Biden can and cannot do, because I have heard people that I respect on both sides of the political spectrum offer up uh, options for President Biden saying he has this authority or that authority. Mm -hmm. And I don't know exactly what's true. Well, I I guess I first need to start with the foundation before we can understand the current argument. We've got to understand what the current law is at Mm -hmm. the border. And it's really and I wish I'm glad folks are listening today because this is the kind of analysis that you're not going to get from the mainstream media. You're just not. And here's the here's the no spin facts of the situation that under Article one, Section eight of the Constitution, Congress has the authority to establish what's called, quote, the rule of naturalization, unquote. What does that mean? That means that Congress is in charge of determining who can come into the United States and who becomes a naturalized citizen. That's a congressional power. Uh, However, also under the current laws, the president is charged in that same uh, federal law that was enacted pursuant to that part of the Constitution. The president is charged with guarding the actual border itself. So here's where we have the discrepancy. The president has the power to say you can't come into this country. But once someone is in this country, the president doesn't have any authority other than what Congress delegates to the president because it's Congress's authority on who becomes a citizen, how they become a citizen, how quickly they become a citizen. So therein lies the rub that you have, in essence, you have one government entity in charge of the fence, and then you have another government entity in charge of what happens when they come inside the fence. And that's why you have so much friction. Now, having said that, President Trump found out during his during his presidency that he issued a lot of executive orders and a lot of them were overturned by the courts because they exceeded his authority. Mm -hmm. The most successful thing that President Trump did on the border was pursuant to Title 42 
Under Title 42, the president could stop people from coming into the United States because of the world pandemic known as COVID. But once COVID was no longer an emergency, then those emergency powers under Title 42 that were given to the president were no longer valid. So where does that leave us? That leaves us with a hodgepodge of executive orders that President Trump tried and the courts overruled because they exceeded presidential authority. So what's the conclusion from all of that analysis is this. Do we need stronger laws in this country to stem the flow? Yes. We had 8.5 million people come across the Mm -hmm. border. Uh, The CBO says it's running at about 2 million now just during the past year. And that's the Congressional Budgeting Office. It's nonpartisan. So this is a crisis at the border. Do we need laws to fix it? Yes, we do. But here's my problem with the current bill that's in the Senate, is that it seems to create more incentive for immigrants to come here because the president's authority under this bill to take action against people coming into the country doesn't start, number one, until there's 5,000 immigrants per day. Mm -hmm. So if there's 4,000 immigrants per day under this bill, the president has no additional authority. That's wrong. Also, it creates more of a financial incentive for immigrants to come because people are uh, it, it provides for additional government funding uh, like food and clothing allowance and housing allowance to people who come across the border illegally. So in essence, what you're doing is, is that you're creating more of an incentive for people to come here from other countries. And to me, from a, if you look at it holistically, even though the bill says I'm giving the president, we're giving the president greater power to protect the border. At the same time, you're creating more of an incentive for people to illegally cross the border. And to me, that sounds self-contradictory. Yeah. And I think even with the 5,000 a day, that has to be over the course of seven days or on a single day if 8,500 people cross. And I also know that that bill it limits how many days the president can exercise that authority. Yes. And then that declines each year until it expires completely in the third year. Right. And, so, and okay. by President Biden's own words just a few years ago, mm-hmm. he said that 1,000 people crossing the border per day is a crisis. So if 1,000 people crossing the border is a crisis, I saw it on YouTube just uh, last week. Uh, and if that's a crisis, then how is it? under this bill, that Mm 5,000 seems to be okay and the president's powers don't kick in until it goes above that. Again, that seems to be a bill that that doesn't recognize the, the, uh, the, the, the enormity of this issue. Okay, I've got three questions for you that I know off the top of my head I really want to ask. The first one is, I keep hearing people say President Biden can just close the border, end the crisis right now. I know you touched on that in the last minute or two when you were talking, but yes or no, can President Biden use his authority right now to just fix the border? Boy, that's a tough question, and I'm not dodging the answer. Okay. But uh, all, all, all we can do is look at what President Trump did. He took made executive orders to do that very thing, and most of those were rejected by the courts. So does the president right now have the authority to close the so-called close the border? He has the legal authority to do so. In fact, uh, under the Constitution, it does protect the it doesn't allow the president the power to defend the border. 
However, because of the regulations on how executive orders are implemented and they have to be approved and there has to be a period of public input and all of those things, uh, if, if the president issued an executive order today to close the border, it would be ruled invalid by the courts. Okay. My other question comes to enforcement. A lot of people said this bill won't mean anything if it's not enforced. I know the 5000 a day for seven days in a row, it said if I read this correctly, it mandates that the president use Title 42-esque powers. So my question is, are we not currently or how well or not well are we currently enforcing border policy? And the second one would be if this bill were passed, would it be enforced? Well, the president under our under our checks and balances, the president has the power to enforce the law. Congress has no enforcement power. So even if a law says president Biden, you must do this. If he just simply says, no, I'm not going to do that, it creates a constitutional crisis and the courts don't get involved in, and I'm going to use my words very carefully here, spitting contests between the executive branch and the legislative branch. So it would be very difficult for Congress to force or to Mm. make the president enforce the law if the president simply said, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, and that's where the language is a little unclear that, again, if migrant crossings increase above 5,000 on average per day on a given week, the DHS is required to use the authority. And if it reaches 8,500 in one day, the department is required to trigger the authority. But it sounds like they're just mandating the authority, not the action of enforcing it. Exactly. And I don't know that Congress can mandate it. And 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 uh, at the risk of of opening up a grenade and dropping it and mm-hmm. running away here, I, I still think the greatest way to solve our current immigration price process or immigration crisis rather, is in in the Supreme Court dealing with uh, whether or not states can enforce federal immigration laws. That was decided by the Supreme Court in 2011. The Supreme Court decided that Arizona could not, in in essence use state officials to enforce federal immigration laws because of federal court uh, exclusivity and federal legal exclusivity. But if the Supreme Court said states can, in fact, enforce federal law, I promise you that Texas, Arizona, Florida, all of these states would use state resources to enforce federal law at the border, and it would do an enormous job of solving this crisis at the state level where you have state officials who are passionate about this issue because they see the crisis that it is and they see the harm that it's causing. I'm going to show my colors first before I ask you this next question because I'm interested to see what you would say. I think this bill is not nearly uh, thorough or stringent enough. And I'm pro-immigrant. We need immigrants. We need families. We need workers. We need all of the um, culture that they bring. I am pro-immigrant, but we also need order. We need to have an orderly fashion of making sure we know who's coming to the country, into the country. So that being said, being pro-immigrant, I also think this bill doesn't do nearly enough. The numbers seem very, very high. It still feels chaotic, but it's better than nothing. And I do think while it's not very conservative, it is the most conservative immigration bill that we've seen in decades. So I would vote yes on it and then hope that we can move forward, vote more Republicans and continue to work on it. So I would vote yes, knowing it's not nearly enough. How would you vote on this bill? 
If this bill were in front of me, I would have a lot of problems with it because it creates that that contradictory uh, uh, incentive, mm-hmm. greater incentive for illegal immigrants to come here instead of creating disincentives. You know, if my kid, if my daughter wrecks my car and she comes to me and says, Dad, I'm really sorry I wrecked your car. I don't say, it's okay, honey. I'm just going to write you a check for $20,000 to make you feel better. So, but having said that, if this were Bill in front of me, I would say yes to it simply because more power is better than no power. And I I wonder, because rhetoric matters, I really think the rhetoric during the 2020 election and the Democratic debates and all of these Democratic candidates saying they would decriminalize illegal crossings and if the Democrats are in charge, the border will be more open. I think that filters down wrongly or rightly to migrants trying to get to the U.S., doesn't us passing at least some kind of bill, doesn't that filter down that we are starting to close the gap a little? Or am I being naive? I, I, I don't know. If you look at Mexico right now, Mexico literally trains people on how to come to the U.S. Mm-hmm. And if all of a sudden illegal immigrants are given more money once they come to the border, uh, Mexico is going to further encourage more immigration to the U.S., not discourage it. I think at the end of the day, it could be worse. We want to hear from you, 314-436-7900, call or text, 314-436-7900. Also, you can leave a voicemail at 314-944-1120. We will continue this discussion as well as the discussion. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Nerds! Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to level up your financial game? Let NerdWallet guide you with smart strategies for lasting success. Get savvy tax planning pointers to maximize your savings, money-saving travel tips for your next family getaway, and investing insights like how a 529 plan can help you send your kids to college. Unlock the key to saving to help you earn more money. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you in 2024. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. (laughs) Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts about the drones that haven't shown up yet. Next, this is the Chris and Amy Show on KMOX. Amy Mark scores, Brad Young with you. Brad, continuing the conversation about the border, this was something we just talked about off air, and I know I talked about it yesterday as well. Donald Trump had said, don't pass the border bill. We've heard Republicans say, don't pass the bill because they didn't want this bill passed while a Democrat was in power. And it just seemed so egregiously partisan uh, and hypocritical that Republicans wouldn't pass this bill because Democrats are in power, not because necessarily they don't like what's in the bill, but because they don't want it passed under President Biden. To me, 
it would be so easy to spin it this way and say, look at this. Biden's border policy is so disastrous. The Democrats are so incapable of controlling the border that even they had to pass an immigration bill because Mm -hmm. they're saying, yes, we've created a crisis. They could spin this bill as an admission of defeat on the part of the Democrats and then move forward and say, we can do this better. Exactly. And not just an admission of defeat. I I would even say an admission of guilt uh, here that they're guilty of making our border porous. And then there's the other thing that, that, that we have to remember in context, and that is that politics, like litigation, like mm-hmm. my job, is a game of leverage. Who has leverage? And you have to ask yourself, why are we even dealing with the immigration bill right now, given that there's an election in November? It's because there's an election in November that the Democrats are coming to the table to discuss some type of repair to our immigration system. Mm -hmm. And I think we should capitalize on that now because Republicans have the leverage to force the Democrats to come up with a, 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 a flawed solution. But a flawed solution is better than no solution. I would vote for it reluctantly with the understanding that when this doesn't does not fix the crisis in the next term, it would allow Republicans to say, see, look, the Chuck Schumer and the and the Joe Biden solution to the border crisis failed miserably. Here's the solution that we actually need. Well, and there was one Republican, Senator James Lankford out of Oklahoma, who voted yes for the bill and said that he was receiving pressure from conservatives in the media not to vote for it. Some of them have been very clear with me. They have political differences with the bill. They say it's the wrong time to solve the problem or let the presidential election solve this problem. In fact, I had a popular commentator four weeks ago that I talked to that told me flat out before they knew any of the contents of the bill, any of the content, nothing was out at that point, that told me flat out, if you try to move a bill that solves the border crisis during this presidential year, I will do whatever I can to destroy you because I do not want you to solve this during the presidential election. By the way, they have been faithful to their promise and have done everything they can to destroy me in the past several weeks. That was Senator James Langford, Republican out of Oklahoma. Now, the popular commentator he was speaking of is Jesse Kelly, who's a conservative host. Uh, Jesse Kelly tweeted out that he was the commentator that Senator Langford was speaking of. He said, quote, he may be a eunuch, but I'll say this about James Langford. He has great taste in radio. Yes, in case you're wondering, he's talking about me, which is a very uh, immature response and calling him yes. that and yes. is saying what you need to know about Jesse Kelly. Well, he, here's to me the, 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 the crux of the issue. We as a country have lost the idea to separate the marketplace of ideas from the battle of tribalism. 
So at this point, when I'm when I'm on my show on on Wednesday night, so I talk about big ideas. I I don't usually ever talk about personalities. No one is evil. No one is is righteous. Uh, I talk about the ideas and the implications. We're not doing that here. What we're saying is is that uh, this is bad because Democrats are putting it forth. I don't agree with that. Let's talk about the merits of the issue, not the character of the issuer, not the character of the proponents. And on this bill. Uh, is it imperfect? Yes, it's imperfect in so many ways. But at the end of the day, we have to ask ourselves, would this in any degree make our border more secure or less secure? And I believe it would make us more secure, a lot more secure. Absolutely not. But any degree of security is an improvement over what we currently have, which is basically an open border. And if you have an open border, realistically, you have no border. Yeah, yeah. No, we have been taking over, like you said, the tribalism, the negative partisanship. If they're for it, I'm against it. Yes. And uh, we've lost the plot. We've lost the plot in the process. He's Brad Young. I'm Amy Mark Scores. KMOX sports fella Matt Pauly joins the Chris and Amy show next. Amy Mark scores Brad Young, professional pancake flipper. No, that's not what it is. You're not a pancake flipper. Can we let's. Well, let's plug at your service on Wednesday night because you you are great with interacting with the listeners. Thank you. I, and as I often say on Wednesday nights, Amy, that it's not like I need another job. I have a full time job. I'm running my own law firm. Uh, I'm pr- plenty busy. But what I enjoy about Wednesday nights here on KMOX mm-hmm. is interacting with the public because there is no other medium, not streaming, not podcast, not TV not network news. There is no other medium in existence like what we have here where the guests are part of the show. That doesn't happen anywhere. You don't get that with Joe Rogan. You you don't get that with any other medium. So what I enjoy is bringing the audience in Mm -hmm. to the show by texting or by calls, having them bring their questions and have that as the quintessential marketplace of ideas. We don't have that anywhere today. What we have is we have advocacy and we have tribalism, but we don't have the marketplace of ideas. And for me, Wednesday nights at your service, 8 to 10, is the marketplace of ideas. And I will just say, if people are wondering about the pancake flipper, Brad Young is good. You can you can flip an opinion or two. <laughs> I, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy when people call up and say, Brad, you're wrong. And I say, OK, tell me how I'm wrong. And they lay out their case. I give them more things to talk, talk about. And then they say, well, you know, now that I think about it, Brad, I think you're right. I call that the flip. And I love the flip. <laughs> he loves the flip. I love it. Well, let's bring in another guest. He's a regular guest. He's KMOX sports fella, Matt Pauley. It's brought to you today, today's KMOX sports update. Well, it's brought to you today as it is every time by Renner Garage Door, R-E-N-N-E-R, forward and back, family owned and top. Rated RennerDoorSTL.com. Hey, Matt, how are you doing? I am good. How are you guys? We're doing pretty well. You uh, ever talk to a caller or two and try to flip their opinion on whatever sports topic you guys are discussing? Yeah, absolutely. And I like listening to you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, one of the things I'm proud about is the fact that I am not somebody that is stuck in my ideas. I think I'm right most of the time. I think it proves out that I'm right most of the time, but I'm not right 100% of the time. When you, you know, the, the thing that people forget sometimes is when we're talking about things on the radio, we're talking about like interesting 
things that are highly debated. You know, from a baseball standpoint, we're, we're never debating if Luke and Baker should put down a bunt when the team is up seven runs in the second inning with, you know, with two outs. Like, obviously, you would never do that. We're, we're talking about stuff that there's legitimate arguments for both sides. So sometimes I get it right. Sometimes I don't get it right. I've got no problem admitting when I don't get it right. I love listening to people who disagree with me and hearing their points. And hopefully uh, people listen to me when I disagree with them and listen to what I'm saying. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's all about having a good conversation. I like uh, Ronch. Is it Wheeler or Ronch tells a story how sports callers, sports radio callers are awesome. And the New York Yankees had won the World Series and they hadn't even had the parade yet. They hadn't even had the parade yet, and they get a caller. Say that's great that the Yankees won, but if they think that next year <laughs> they're not going to make a move, <laughs> and the guy was livid, they yeah. hadn't even had the parade. And I love that about sports callers. <laughs> so much passion. Yeah, and it's it's good and it's bad. Like Cardinals fans are amazing, and they're so passionate. Uh, sometimes a certain group of them, whether it's a vocal minority or a true majority. They kind of lose themselves a little bit, especially in the uh, in the emotion, maybe after a bad loss or something. And some craziness sometimes gets spoken. And uh, it's, I I debate internally how I want to deal with the craziness because there are definitely times where somebody says something that is absolutely absurd. But at the same time, they are they're taking the time to listen to me. They're taking the time to call into the radio station. I don't. I don't want to be completely disrespectful, but at the same time, they have to know that what they've said is as wrong as anything can be. Matt, hey, it's Brad Young here. And hey, Brad. Hey, good morning, sir. And what I like about when you're down uh, in Florida for spring training, what I like about it, what I really enjoy about your coverage, is that you are getting information at the beginning of the season that's not otherwise available. I'm not going to find it online. I'm not going to find it in a blog. Uh, what I'm going to do, though, is I'm going to listen to you because you're on the ground. I've been at spring training before, and you see things there that can make an impact on the season. But because the way you cover spring training and the in-depth the way that you do, you give us insight that otherwise we just wouldn't have. Yeah, that's the that's the plan of this whole thing. That's uh, that's the idea of why we go down. Hopefully we're seeing stuff. And, you know, there's, there are clear storylines going into the season. So you keep an eye on certain people, certain things happening, uh, knowing that something that could happen early on in spring training could have a domino effect and could have implications on how the season goes. So, I, you know, once the games get started about a week and a half after spring training starts, the, the dynamic changes a little bit. There's not as much time watching things on the backfields and stuff like that. But early on in spring training, it's really, really fun to, to watch some of these things play out. Hey, Matt, speaking of spring training, it was truck day a couple of days ago, right? Was it Monday was truck day? Uh, yeah, I believe it was Monday. When do you head head down to Jupiter? Uh, this Monday. I will fly out Monday night, and our first sports open line from Jupiter will be on Tuesday, and we will be, uh, we'll be broadcasting from uh, spring training throughout the duration of uh, the time there. I'm there till March 9th, and then Tom Ackerman gets there around that time. And, yeah, we, we kind of trade off, and we go from there. What are the buzzy topics or top-of-mind issues for you as you prepare to head down to Jupiter? 
Yeah, I think first off is uh, watching Mason win and whether or not he can take over that everyday shortstop job. So much of the way this team is constructed is based upon Mason Wynn being able to be the everyday shortstop. If, if he really struggles in spring training and doesn't break camp with the team, or if he struggles at the beginning of the season and has to be sent down, all of a sudden you're taking your starting center fielder and Tommy Edmond and putting him at shortstop. and You don't really have a backup shortstop beyond that, and you're playing somebody in the outfield a lot that you probably didn't want to. So just everything about this team and the, the construction of the team is so dependent upon uh, Mason Wynn working out. And then the other thing is the, the battle for the different uh, bullpen spots. They've really changed over the bullpen in, in, in so many different ways with the different additions that they've made. And uh, there's more guys than spots available. Now some natural attrition always happens during spring training, but watching how that plays out, the bullpen and the success of the bullpen and being an improved bullpen from last year to this year is uh, so key for everything to, uh, to work out for this team. Matt, there's a there's a military saying that you don't go to war with the army that you wish you had. You go <laughs> to war with the army that you have. And as you look right now at the Cardinals, uh, first of all, do you see any chances? Or I know there's a lot of rumors going around, but do you see any chances that, that there will be any additional additions to the team before opening day? And even if not, at this point, do you see, based on what we have, an improvement over what we saw last year uh, looking at the at the team that we currently have? Yeah, so I wouldn't rule out an, adi- an addition, but I'd also put it at below 50%. There's still a ton of guys out there, a ton, a ton of free agents who would clearly make the Cardinals better. And as pitchers and catchers report and as position players report, there's still going to be some guys out there and some desperation might start to kick in a little bit or maybe there's a chance to come back around on somebody. So I'm not saying that's impossible. I just don't think it's likely. I am still concerned about the depth of starting pitching. One of the terms this year has been that they've added to their starting pitching depth. I would I would take issue with the, the, it being said that way. They've added to their starting pitching. Their starting pitching one through five is clearly better than what it was last year. You have a high-end starter in Sonny Gray. If you go to into the season with those five guys as your starters, you're in better position than you were last year. But when it gets beyond those five guys, you're still sort of at the same spot that you were at last year. You've got Zach Thompson and Matthew Libertor as probably your number six and your number seven starters. That's exactly where they were at last year. So it doesn't feel like they've added starting pitching quality, but I don't think they've added starting pitching depth. Hey, Matt, I know we, when you say, is there a runaway weakness for, for this Cardinals team, it would be pitching. We've talked about that at length, but who would you say, or what is the state of, Cardinal leadership in the clubhouse because a lot of veteran players aren't there. I think the cards may have turned over 30% of their roster. Do you see a leadership gap or do you anticipate certain players stepping in? That has been one of the main storylines of this offseason. Even at the end of the season last year, Oliver Marmel openly spoke about the fact that they wanted to have a better culture inside of the clubhouse and having the right kind of guys in the clubhouse. I think Yadier Molina walking out the door, Albert Pujols walking out the door, Adam Wainwright dealing with everything that he was dealing with last year from a personal standpoint and just trying to get himself going. Uh, There was a bit of a void in leadership. They have tried to address that. I think they have addressed that. Uh, When you look at the starting pitchers that they brought in, in, in Sonny Gray and Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson, those guys are all high-character guys. 
who are certainly going to have respect inside the clubhouse. When they recently signed Matt Carpenter, it felt like they were signing him as much for his ability to be a leader in the clubhouse than anything else. And there's been a lot of talk this year about uh, you know, somebody like Brendan Donovan taking a, a step forward. You know, there's, there's Zoom calls, there's uh, group texts and things like that that are always going on. And Donovan has largely been uh, somebody who's been behind that. So he's going to step forward. I think there's also got to be a step forward from your veterans like Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arnato. They lead in their, their different kind of ways. Uh, they're not real vocal in the clubhouse. Goldschmidt kind of leads by the way he just goes about his business every single day. There's nobody out there that works harder than him. Uh, Arnato very much leads with his performance on, on the field. Uh, but they, you know, Arnato has spoken openly about the fact that he wants to see a little bit more leadership in the clubhouse. So it's been a really weird thing that's been, been going on, and the Cardinals definitely tried to address that this offseason. Matt, I think the next time we'll talk to you, you will be in Florida then, right? I will. Yep. Awesome. I will know. M- Monday I will be flying. So I will I'll still be in St. Louis on Monday when we talk. Okay. Uh, but then on Thursday, yeah, I'll be in Florida. And if you don't mind, I'd like to play. We've got the countdown to opening day show tonight. Yeah. From uh, 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock. I am at Cardinals Nation right now. Randy Flores, former Cardinals pitcher, now assistant GM, director of scouting. He is going to be uh, our featured guest today. He's going to be showing up at about 1230. So folks uh, want to get themselves some lunch. Come out to Cardinals Nation and Ballpark Village. We'll validate your parking for you so you don't have to worry about parking. You can get some great food, and uh, you can meet Randy Flores. So that's going on today at 1230. So what, in about 40, 45 minutes or so. Excellent. And then people can listen to the countdown to opening day, the final show tonight from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., right? Final show from St. Louis. We'll continue to do it from Jupiter next okay. week. But, yeah, this is the final uh, originating from a St. Louis edition of the program. Awesome. And then you're at Ballpark Village. Randy Flores will join you, and we welcome listeners to go hang out with Matt Pauley for lunch. Matt, thanks so much. We uh, Safe travels on Monday. We'll talk to you then before you head out. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. That is Matt Pauley, KMOX sports fella. The countdown to opening day show continues tonight, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., and it's almost baseball. I love it. I love it. Good times. He's Brad Young. I'm Amy Mark Scores. This is the Chris and Amy Show on KMOX. Brad Young, Amy Mark Scores here with you as we approach noon. Brad, uh, President Joe Biden had a couple more mix-ups or gaffes this week. He referenced two European leaders who are dead, and I think he mixed them up with the living European leaders. Biden told donors at a New York fundraiser, he told them a story about his trip to a G7 meeting after taking office when he declared America's back. And he referenced Helmut Kohl, Kohl. excuse me, Helmut Kohl of Germany. And he said, then Helmut Kohl of Germany looked at me and said, what would you say, Mr. President? And he goes on and tells the story. The problem is... Helmut Kohl was chancellor of Germany from 1982 to 1988. It was Angela Merkel who would have been the German chancellor at the time. Yeah, and Helmut Kohl died in 2017. (laughs) He did. He did. And then a similar instance happened on Sunday at a Nevada campaign event when Biden was telling the same story about his meeting with world leaders. But in this case, he mistakenly named the president of France as Francois, is it Mitterrand? Mitterrand. Mitterrand, instead of Emmanuel Macron. And Mitterrand 
served as president of France from 1981 to 95, and he died in 96. Yeah, he's been dead over 25 years. So the White House press secretary was asked about this, Corinne (laughs) (laughs) Jean-Pierre, and she said, quote, will not go down that rabbit hole with you. But here's the thing. He's the president of the United States. And I have said over and over again that words matter in the way you conduct yourself. That's why I've been critical of Trump and his tweets and what he says. Biden, we can't you would be incredibly naive if you don't admit Joe Biden is struggling at best. He is struggling. He is struggling. And uh, and it's obvious if you look at any president, any past president mm-hmm. and look at their before yeah. and after shot, it is dramatic. Yeah. I mean, oh, President Obama didn't even have any gray hair when he was elected president. Just eight years later, he had mostly gray hair. And so when you look at that, any president, it, it is uh, it's a job that is demanding like no other job. And it takes its toll and it's clearly taken its toll on President Biden. But here's what I disagree with. When you see uh, on the mainstream media, particularly on television news, when they frame this as an issue, they frame it as age. Is President Biden too Mm -hmm. old? Is President Biden's age a factor in this election? But to me, it's not his age that's Mm -hmm. a factor. It's his cognitive ability that's a factor. uh, And that's different from his age. Right. No, absolutely. And an NBC News poll that was published this week found that 76 percent of voters, including 54 percent of Democrats, had major or moderate concerns when asked whether Biden, quote, has the necessary mental and physical health to be president for a second term. That seems absolutely obvious. I'm not I don't say this as a gotcha or whatever. It's real concern. I could never be the president of the United States. It makes me tired. I'm Mm -hmm. 40 years old. For President Biden to be visibly struggling, I feel like if I were a family member, I would say no. I would also say the same thing. I think Mitch McConnell is struggling. When he froze up, Exactly. that makes me feel sad. It doesn't make me feel glad like, oh, look at this guy. He's losing it. I don't feel that way with Biden or Mitch McConnell. No, not at all. It's out of concern. Something's not right. They they are obviously visibly struggling. Well, it's it's a twofold concern. It's a concern for that individual, but it's also a concern for our country. Mm-hmm. Uh, because at this point in time, given all that's going on on the world stage, all that's going on domestically, we we need a president that's 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 on top of it, not a president who's struggling with remembering people, conversations with people who died 25 years ago. Yeah. He's Brad Young. I'm Amy Mark Scores. Another hour of the Chris and Amy show with Bob Costas is next. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams. Thanks for everything, mom and dad. Will always be worth it. Apply today at penfed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Nerds! Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to level up your financial game? Let NerdWallet guide you with smart strategies for lasting success. Get savvy tax planning pointers to maximize your savings, money-saving travel tips for your next family getaway, and investing insights like how a 529 plan can help you send your kids to college. Unlock the key to saving to help you earn more money. 
Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you in 2024. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.